What up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Straight Facts Podcast, man. I'm your host, Mac. Uh, Ted can't be with us today. He got to work. Um, but today I bring to you a special episode, man. We got a special guest host, uh, somebody who's, you know, dear to my heart, important to me, helped me through my maturation process from a professional to a personal standpoint. I'm talking about somebody who um, helped shape uh, the culture of Bowie State University, helped develop me, myself, my brothers, um, and just, you know, the foundation, set the foundation for uh, the success that, you know, Bowie State University has right now. I'm talking about no other than uh, a MEAC champion. He's the current tight end coach at Howard University. Um, he's a mentor to all of us. He's a great father, great friend. Coach Nick Gould, what's up, Coach? Man, what it do, baby? Man, I can't complain, man. You know, um, thank you for taking that time, like I said, to join us on this podcast, man. I think it's been a long time coming. When I started this, you were like the first name. When I started thinking about, you know, guests, I was like, man, I got to get Coach on this. I mean, because we had this, we have conversations like this probably. Right so many times where it's like, <laughs> like, man, I wish I could share it with others. I mean, yeah. like game you drop on me all the time. So it's oh, good, no, man. No. Yeah. So man, let's get this started, man. Um, like I said, you, you currently the tight ends coach at Howard coming off a, a, a MEAC championship season. Um, you know, you've been around this coaching game for a while now on both levels, D1, D2. Um, so let's start from the beginning to your playing days. Uh, tell us about, you know, your experiences from Little League through high school through college. Well, it's crazy because, um, you know, I, I was one of those kids who, you know, was just too heavy or, you know, just too out of shape to play. So Wheaton Boys Girls Club was popping. Um, I'm a Montgomery County kid, PG, DC kid. I, I kind of bounced around a little bit everywhere. I remember, you know, I was five years old trying out for Wheaton Boys and Girls Club. And I was just too fat, too overweight, too slow. Couldn't really do too much of nothing. And they cut me. And they was just like, you know, maybe he should try out for flag. He's not, you know, cut out for tackle right now. And at that time, I had no clue who Wheaton Boys and Girls Club was. I was just like, Mom, I want to play ball. Like, let me go try out for this team down on Georgia Ave. And, um, you know, it's crazy. Circling back to high school, I started to really realize how serious we and Boys and Girls Club was. Um, so, bounced around to PG County, man, DC, kind of got into a whole lot of trouble as a kid. Uh, so, I was never really in a neighborhood or in the area for longer than a year. So, never had really another opportunity to join an organized rec team. And I just I just played street ball. You know, we played on asphalt, concrete, dirt, rocks, wherever it was, them little, them little wood chips on the playgrounds, like well, wherever we could play ball, we played ball at. Um, and then fast forward to high school. I went to Springbrook High School out in Montgomery County. Um, was an okay program at that time. Um, they was going off of three and four win seasons. I think at that time, um, in the in the mid-90s. They may have won maybe six games once. Um, but the history of Springbrook, they won the state championships back in the 80s with Cherry Changuris, who was the head coach at Seneca Valley when Chris Kelly and all those guys was playing. Um, then had had a really good career, played defensive line, 
um, an offensive line. It was too short for an offensive lineman, in my opinion. So I was like, man, let me go play D-line. Like, you know, I'm a shade under six feet tall. So I'm like, ain't no offensive lineman going to be 5'11 and a half going to college, you know. So through the recruiting process, wanted to stick with HBCUs just because, you know, the fam went to school there. Um, I did have my eyes set on Clemson and Ohio State and University of Maryland, but like everybody else, but I just wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't quick enough. And so I set my eyes on the Hamptons, the Bowie States, the North Carolina A&Ts, the North Carolina Centrals, um, and settled on Bowie State. Uh, don't know why I chose Bowie State, but it was the perfect choice for me. You know, my father, you know, tried to get on me a little bit when I first went there just to figure out, okay, you know, why did you choose this school? Why are you doing a dual degree at Bowie? And I, I never had really had an answer. Um, and so going through the process of school there um, to the dual degree at University of Maryland, it, it was just the perfect choice for me. It wasn't a big school. It was a small enough school where you could grind it out, you could get things done. But I also met some really great people at Bowie State, where now, um, circle back to coaching there, you know, I was able to cultivate some relationships, cultivate some mindsets, and kind of bring some kids from Montgomery County to Bowie, where now it's like a shift going on. Because when I first got to Bowie, it was straight PG County kids and, and Baltimore kids. It wasn't no Montgomery County. It wasn't even no Southern Maryland kids. And so just by being there, you know, I got exposed to what Baltimore life was really like. But being a Montgomery County grad, like I just came out there, worked my tail off, busted my butt. Wasn't an all-conference guy. Um, was pretty much a backup Mike. Started, you know, quite a few games. But um, they always recruited, tried to out-recruit me, out-recruit my size, I recruit my speed, I recruit my athleticism, which I always took it on the chin as a challenge. And, you know, I knew, hey, look, I don't care who you bring in here, I'm going to end up playing at the end of the day. Right. Um, got lucky a couple years. My last year didn't, didn't get get so lucky, um, you know, but it was what it was. My sophomore year, we went to the championship, had a blast going down there, lost to Fayetteville um, by like three points. And so kind of pissed me off. That's why when we played, you know, Fayetteville in the championship game, um, when I was at Howard, I had to go to that game and kind of relive that moment. But, you know, coming full circle, Coach of Pop Warner um, with the PG Chargers. I can't remember what year that was. It was 10 years ago. <laughs> it was like 10 years ago, Coach of PG Chargers and Coach of the Matthew High School at the same time, right? which was, which was kind of weird. Um, my first son was born, um, and I just fell back in love with the game again. My boy brought me out to coach youth ball. Um, you know, long story short, you know, went from PG Chargers to DeMatha to Bowie State, and now I'm here at Howard University, kind of loving the experience of being, you know, the only DMV guy on staff. Nah, man, that's amazing. And like I said, that's big time, only DMV guy on staff. I mean, you can't beat that at a place like Howard right now. Right. Uh, you know, just you touched on it, like all the stops you made. But at what point did you realize you had that passion for coaching? It's it's so crazy because even with PG Charles and Demasa, like 
like the, the reason my boy brought me out because we was at we was at children's church. So I used to be a youth mentor as mm-hmm. well. And we was at children's church and the kids would be playing football in the parking lot and I'd be drawing up plays for him to run. Uh-huh. And he was just like, yo, why you don't coach? Nah, man, that ain't that ain't my thing. And you know, my last year at Bowie State, I kind of got burnt. And so the love of the game kind of just went away. Um at that at that time. I wanted to be a coach, but the love fell out. And so coaching with PG Chargers, it was just like, it was just too easy. So we went to my first year coaching. We didn't have one touchdown scored on us until the regional playoffs right before we went to Florida. And I wasn't calling the defense, but I was the mastermind behind the defense, helping the defensive coordinator say, hey, look, this is what they're doing. This is how they're doing it. This is what we need to do. And he would just call whatever call it was. We'll sub in whatever personnel, whatever case may be. And that year, it just, it was easy. And I'm just sitting like, it can't be this easy, man. Like, so I was like, okay, I need a challenge. And I'm always a guy who wants a challenge. And so, you know, even to this day, I still have to have a challenge some way, somehow. And I right. think that's another reason why I chose Bowie State, too, because Bowie State was one and nine when I first went. And I'm like, man. I'm gonna help these this program turn itself around. Um, and so, and that's how I ended up coaching at DeMatha. Cause I'm like, well, if I could do PG charges, we only go three days a week. I could do DeMatha and PG charges at the same time. Right. And then the DeMatha experience came out the same way. It's like, this ain't, this ain't enough. Like this ain't mm-hmm. football the way I knew it. Um, I got lucky. A guy named Steve Wilson played with the Broncos and the Cowboys. Ended up coaching us at Bowie State. He's also he was also the last person to win a MEAC title or share of a MEAC title at Howard University in 1993. And so he he taught me football. And the way he taught me football, like it was going to take a lot for me to get that type of feeling back. Right. And so I had to leave the Matha. I had to leave PG Chargers because I was really getting tired of the parents as well. Because mm-hmm. the parents at the youth level and the high school level, like, they get on you. Why my son not playing? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why why does this coach do this? Like, look, I'm just trying to coach ball. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not right. trying to answer for nobody else per se. But, you know, the only other place I knew where I knew for sure I could get the development I needed was at Bowie State. You know, Damian Wilson was the head coach when I first got to Bowie State. Damian Wilson was the tight end coach and special teams coordinator. And he came back to be the head coach. And I was like, okay, he's there. Anton Sewell was there, who I played with at Bowie State as well. So I'm like, okay, this would kind of be a perfect fit where I wouldn't have to be thrusted into a position and I could just kick it around these guys, learn as much as I can. Because, again, I'm not thinking I'm going to be a college football coach. You know, I just want to be a football coach. You know, maybe go back to the high school level at some point. Um, just because I'm also a family guy. Uh, and then that first year at Bowie State, I learned so much. I was just sitting there like, okay, I don't know no football. Like, that's how I felt. And in 2014, that first year, I was like, yeah, I don't know football. Like, it's it's clear. And, you know, Charles Grant was a linebacker coach at the time. And me and Grant, you know, developed a really good relationship and rapport shoot, to the point where we still talk to this day. But it's it's like, that year, I was I was quiet. I was laid back. 
didn't know how to run a room, didn't know what it looked like to run a room, nothing like that. And I just learned over time. And then I sat there and said, this is where I belong. Right. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, hey, I'm going out seeking to coach college. No, no, no. This is where I belong. You know, in, in 2015, that summer, um, going into that 2015 season, that's when I found out, okay, yeah, this is this is this is what I really want to do. Right, right. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, you came, you came when I was gone because I was like I said, I was at Bowie from 11, 12. I left in 13, came back in the spring of 14 after the season, uh, going into 15. Um, and you know, we know what that 15 team or that 15 season uh, meant for the history of culture at Bowie State University. Um, talk to me about how impactful that year was for you and like, you know, talk about like your BWA movement because, I mean, those guys, the demeanor you had, the swag you had, I mean, y'all did something to us where, you know, from an offensive standpoint, we were in the, we were in the running back room like, hey, man, we got to match the linebackers every day because they just had like an energy that was unmatched, unseen. I mean, it was something that we had never seen before from a group. Yep, yep, yeah. So it's crazy because all I did was go back to when I played at Bowie. So when I played at Bowie, the linebackers, the safeties, really the D, the defense in itself, you know, outside of D line, the D line be doing their own thing most of the times. But even even the D linemen like that I played with, we was all with each other, right. like all day long, nonstop. We will always go to each other's room and kick it. And I wanted to bring that back. I wanted that to be, because when I first got to Bowie, it wasn't about unity. It wasn't about togetherness. There's a lot of separatism. You know yep. what I mean? And yeah, the dark side, the light side, you're going you're gonna to have spouts and battles. And, and we did when we played at Bowie. But like when I played in University of Maryland, won the basketball championship, it's a receiver. It's two receivers in the car. It's a linebacker. It's a safety. And we all going down to the University of Maryland to celebrate. And so I wanted to find a way to bring that back and bring the guys back. And my whole motivating piece was I want to make my boys proud to be a Bowie State alum. Right. I want these guys to come back to Bowie and have something to say, hey, I recognize what that is. Not, not from a schematic standpoint, just a player-to-player relationship. Like, this is my brother. And so... I realized the kids at Bowie was different, a little spoiled for the most part, just because, you know, you got the new buildings on campus, the new dorms on campus. And so you can, you can get a little spoiled and a little entitled. And so I, I started something and said, you know what, I'm going to start something with you guys. We don't have a bunch of experience. At that time, going into 2015, you had one um, player who was Biscuit, who played in more than two games at Bowie State. Right. You know, a bunch of freshmen, a bunch of transfers, and nobody had any playing experience. So I said, you know what? I got to I gotta do something. And, it, and I was fortunate to have the background that I had of working in education to know just how to cultivate a group of, of young men and, and, and go back to my youth mentor skills. I just know how to cultivate the relationships. And so I took them back to the Crawford Science Center, Science Building, and that's where we would meet at. And the reason why I wanted to meet there is because you had center block walls and you had a green chalkboard. It mm-hmm. wasn't no whiteboard. It wasn't no white walls. It wasn't 
It wasn't comfortable chairs. It was the gutter. It, it was, was, it was, you know, just the backbone of how hard we used to work at Bowie. Right. And I didn't want them to be comfortable. And so in that room, we would, we would only meet once a week and we would come in there. It was voluntary. And so I wasn't making nobody be there, but they all wanted to be there. And it was just like, okay, hey guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do football for 30 minutes. And then we're just going to do professional development for 30 minutes, which they didn't know what professional development was. And at that time, it was just teaching them how to be each other's brother, right. how to look after each other, how to lead each other, how to motivate each other, how to work for each other. Because at that time, yeah, you had really good players in that room that year before, but wasn't nobody playing for each other. They mm. was playing for themselves. And so... Um, trying to get at to them, but also teaching them, okay, this is what football really is. So we would watch Michigan State linebackers. We would watch Michigan linebackers. We would watch certain teach tapes and certain fundamentals of other universities to show them this is what it looks like to play this type of way. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I challenged them. We had our own slogan. We had our own phrase. I still got the uh, chalkboard uh, picture in my phone. Um, I, I wanted them to set goals. Like, what what goal do y'all want to have? Like, y'all been five and five forever, bro. Like, this ain't this ain't who Bowie State is. This ain't who the dark side is. Like, it, fun. You know what I mean? And so their number one goal was to go to a CIWA championship. And I said, all right, cool. What's it going to take? And everything that we did, it was on them. It wasn't nothing I gave to them. It wasn't nothing I said to them. I gave them ownership. Um, because I just believe when you give a group of athletes ownership, they get more buy-in, and they like BWA. BWA came from from punter off of Kevin Gates. You right. know what I'm saying? He was like, "Yeah, I like BWA," and I was like, "Okay, what does BWA mean though?" And then that's when you know him, Biscuit, and um, Kyle came up with uh, backers with attitude, that's, and that's I'm talking about. We had That's T-shirts, like, like it was, it was a lot that we were doing. And I told him, I said, man, y'all three are the leaders of this group, and I'm gonna go hard at y'all, but I'm gonna be cool with everybody else. And it's crazy, it's funny. We had a camp yesterday. I don't know if you remember Kevin Baxter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he does film now. He was at the camp last night. We from the same neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean. So it's it's, but that's what I told him. I said, this ain't just. For this year like no nah, this is for life i want y'all to be brothers for life like yeah. i always want to come back or bump into y'all and know how y'all are doing and know y'all still kicking it y'all families know each other and things of that nature so it was like you know that vibe that feel wasn't ever created from a linebacker room not even when i played like we was cool with each other but and we still talk to each other but it wasn't like no nah, that's my bro bro like yeah this is this is my right hand right here and so I wanted to create that just because I know, hey, look, if we cool and tight off the field, I'm going to work even harder for you on the field, you know, and so. Yeah, that was big, man. I think, I, I, you know, your intentions were f for to do it for the linebacker group, but I think it, like, you know, slowly transitioned to the entire team that summer. I mean, we all became brothers. It was like, yo, if we here, we all here, um, you know, leading up to that 15 season. Yeah. And, 
like we just watched the backers and they were like perfect. I mean, it was like you said, young guys. You had guys like Kyle and Tomar and and I mean those were younger guys, but we all looked up to them in a way where like, you know what, these guys are always where they gotta be. And it's the little things, right? It's you know, going to breakfast, being in the weight room, being early to meetings, pulling your pants up, not standing on the stoop, or doing the regular things that we did at Bowie when we were five and five. So um, we always give credit to that group, that 15 group, man. You know, they changed, we changed like the landscape of Bowie State football. And I mean, you see years later now, just yeah. what we've built. And, you know, it's, it's amazing just seeing what the young boys are able to do uh, with what we left off. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's crazy because, like, I remember, I, I, I remember specifically, I challenged Punter mm-hmm. um, and Biscuit. And I told him, I was like, man, y'all not ready to win no championship. They was like, what you mean, Coach? I said, y'all don't like each other. He nah, was like, no, nah, we cool. That was I'm real. like, no, no, no. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about the defense. Defense don't like each other. And so that summer, I didn't even know it, but, and I, you know, I was just being me. Like, I'm just, right. I'm testing, I'm testing these kids and see what they really made of. And come to find out, man, they, Ant, Kevin, you know, all, all those guys, they were having player meetings. You know, during the summertime, and I was just sitting there like, okay, maybe we are. And even that year, like, if you go look at them first six games, and <laughs> you can ask certain people, I didn't even know we was gonna win. Like, it was a, it was a real shock. Like going into week eight, nah, I, and I'm looking up, I'm looking like, did we just really win this game? Like, yeah, because I, think- I, I still, I still didn't believe that the mindset had changed yet. Mm-hmm. I think we realized that um, in the summer, I think it was like probably week, probably week four, week five of summer workouts, you know, Raul and Reddick, she's a killer, right? Like, we, I mean, you got to, you know, we had two workout sessions, so we had the morning and the afternoons. It's like week four, week five, like I said, and you see guys who went to the morning session and the afternoon session. Yeah. are like, yeah, we got some. Yep. At that point, it clicked to all of us that, you know what, we had some. And we we were, you know, primed to make that run. And yeah, like I said, yeah. I'm happy I did it with that group because to this day, we're still the same. Like, those are still yeah. my brothers. I don't care how long we don't talk. I could call. I could pick up my phone right now, text Biscuit, text Punter, yeah. text Gotti, yeah. text Kevin. And, yeah. I mean, love is the same. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to Howard right now, you're in year two as a tight ends coach, like I previously, uh, previously mentioned. Um, obviously, you know, at this point of your career is what 15 plus years in um in the coaching ranks um and you've coached on both sides of the ball because at Bowie you were a linebackers coach and now you're a tight ends coach um so tell me how that experience has helped shape you you know not a lot of guys on the college level get to coach both sides yeah so it was it was interesting um and it it stems off of just being at Bowie and the same feeling I had when I was at DeMatha in 16, I had that buoy. And I was just like, okay, there's got to be something more. Like, and you know, just me being just that A-type personality, like I'm always looking for what else, what's next, what's more, what what can I do? Um, but naturally, I'm always seeing what's not right and what needs to be fixed and how it could be fixed. And so that going into that 16th season, I just felt like, okay, we got to do something else. We got to do something different. Like, okay, we went to the championship game and lost by three points. Cool. I'm fine with that. 
but this next year can't be repeated. It can't. It's going to be different because now we're not the five and five. We're not the four and six. Like they know Bowie for real now. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for something else, and I was just like, man, it's got to be like the way I coach, the style I coach is. It's got to be a different way that we do things that I can experience and grow from and learn from. So going into that 16th season, we had a camp with Michigan. And Chris Partridge was the linebacker coach at the time. And he came down. And I remember Tomar and Kyle was working the camp. Mm-hmm. And Chris Partridge was saying everything that I said to those guys. And I just leaned to him like, this stuff sounds familiar, don't it? And they were like, yeah. And I told him, I said, I'm trying to show y'all I'm giving you the stuff that the FBS guys get, the Power 5 guys get. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to develop so that I can give back to you more than any coach here has ever done. And it was that same hunger after that season, like, okay, I need more. Like, yeah, I'm a linebacker coach, and yeah, we do things how we do things, but it's got to be a different way. It's got to be something more. It's got to be something different. Um, and, you know, I reached out to to one of the uh, new coaches down at Howard University at the time, Brendan Marion, um, who's my my brother at this point. Um, and he was just like, you know, I'm looking for an offensive QC. I'm like, well, just let me know what you need. Like, you know, I know some folks in the area. I'm from here. I can kind of help y'all out. Y'all a home team as well. So I want Howard to win. I'm not even thinking about leaving Bowie to go to Howard at the time. Right. And then he told me, he was like, man, bring your resume down at three o'clock. And I was like, huh? <laughs> All right, I'll be there. Um, And so I came down, bought my resume, um, sat down and talked with him. Knew a couple of the guys that were already down there. Um, But when we talked, we, we didn't talk football. Right. Not, not at all. Like, we talk life. We talk personality. We talk who am I? You know, why do I coach? How I coach? Um, and then I sat down with Coach London at the time that same week, and it was the same thing. He never, he never wanted to know what fronts I knew, what coverages, none of that. He was just like, I want to know if you're a good person. Like right. that's what that's what matters. And so it was a totally different experience at that level because when I went and sat down on the interview for Bowie State, man, I'm on the on the whiteboard talking about cover four and run right. fits and all this, I get to the FCS level and these two guys, respectively, Brennan Marion is still the NCAA record holder for passes uh, per completion. Um, coach London won a national championship at Richmond, was the head coach at, at UVA for a while, who's now at William & Murray. So they've been at bigger places and they're not talking football. That mm-hmm. it was it was it kind of threw me off, but Brennan was just like, you know, I want you to come in here and be my defensive coordinator for my offense. And I said, okay, cool. So I accepted the job, left Bowie, which was was tough as all get out right. um, to leave. But I knew I was going to get the education I needed. And I just didn't know how fast it was going to come. Cause that first week, Coach London, Coach London does these uh in-house clinics every every spring, every offseason. They do an in-house clinic where the offense presents for the whole staff, the defense presents for the whole staff. Well, I knew this is the place I needed to be in, not necessarily saying Howard, but with this staff. 
Right. Brennan walks in and says, Coach London wants you to present on coverages um, for the in-house clinic. I said, all right, cool. Bet. And he's saying this as he's about to leave the office <laughs> to go home. And I said, all right, what he want me to present on? Just coverages. Just, just talk about what you've been doing for the past week. I said, okay, cool. When are we doing it? And he's stepping out of the office at the same time I'm asking this question. He said, oh, it's tomorrow. And he just leaves. And I said, they said, what's tomorrow? So it kind of caught me off guard where I'm like, okay, I got to prepare something in 18 hours <laughs> to present for Coach London, who won a national championship, who was the head coach at UVA, who was just a D-line coach at University of Maryland. And it kind of it kind of threw me in the loop. And I just said, okay, your back's against the wall. You know how to respond. Let's show these dudes why you're here. Let's right. show these guys who don't know nothing about HBCU football that HBCU football guys know football and can coach and can teach it. And so um came in the next day and I'm talking about I killed it. And I'm I'm talking about to the point where Brennan's in the back, like, stop, stop. You're giving the defense too many, too right. much information. And I'm just like, Hey, when you tell me to present, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna present, and I want to show you what you know we can do. Like I want to show you this kid from Bowie State to put help Bowie State get on the map and and show y'all you know we know what we're doing down there at the swamp and boot, you know. Um, but that year I was just running the defense for Brennan's go go offense, right? And I told him in turn, I said, Hey man, just teach me offensive football. I said I don't, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And again, this 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 was for free. I wasn't I wasn't getting paid for none of this. So I was still working a job at the time at this elementary school. So I I would go to work at six thirty in the morning. I would leave work at two thirty, and I would be at Howard. Um, and then Coach London started to find out that you know, hey man, you, you you're here at four thirty in the morning. Then you go to work, and then you come back. Yeah, work got to be done, Coach. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. So that year, though, just taught me about how offenses think, right. how offenses are structured, how offenses kind of want to do things. Um, and lucky enough, it led me into um, two years ago at this point or a year ago at this point now, um, in January of 2021, the tight end coach who was at Howard for two years leaves for a job in Kansas. Um, they go with an alum from Howard University at the time. Because again, like you said, coach of linebackers. So I'm a defensive guy. Right. Um, he comes in, he leaves two months later. And then, you know, talk to the head coach. He was just like, man, I just want to know if you can handle it. And I'm just sitting like, coach, you don't know who I am, do you? <laughs> I'm like, you don't, you don't know the adversity I've gone through in this coaching profession, let alone what I've experienced at Howard, because I already got passed up for two jobs at Howard before. Right. So it was just like, just being there, it's like, okay, what, what what are we doing? You know, so he hired me as a tight end coach and first year as a tight end coach, um, didn't know a whole bunch, um, didn't get a whole lot of sleep either because I was like, no, I need to know. I, I want to know what this is. I want to know how to coach these guys. Um, ended up with an all-conference prayer and Brennan Brown, who was a converted offensive lineman, which is crazy. Um, 
but he had a really good year. I was able to, you know, lean on him for a lot and just teach him stuff. And I told him, I said, man, if you trust me, I'll make you an all-conference player. I said, I, I don't have a lot of experience with coaching tight ends, but I got a lot of experience with people and coaching people and getting people to do what they need to do. No different than what I did with BWA. I took the same challenge. Right. Um, and it's crazy because I talked to partner Biscuit and told him, I'm like, y'all, it's crazy. I'm about to be the tight ends coach. I'm about to coach <laughs> offense. And they was like, hey, coach, they don't know what they get. They know that you're going to do BWA or offense. I said, exactly. And so um, now going into year two, we it's even scarier because I got two kids that, like at workouts, and I ain't even tell you, at workouts, so I got this 6'2 kid and this 6'4 kid, both of them cleaning over 275 as freshmen. Oh, and man. they taking second splits. The other day was 102 and 103. That's crazy. Yeah. And so so they can flat out get it. And it's just like, okay, hey, God, what, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> you entrusted me with these type of athletes, these type of players. Um, and so it just gave me some confidence to know, hey, look, if if I'm willing to put in the work, God is going to give us favor. Howard ain't won in 29 years. Like, right. like yeah, it's a shared title. Um, us in Central were tied with conference records. It's a shared title. But they haven't won since Steve Wilson. You know, my first year at Howard when I was on staff, we were three points away from winning that conference title. North Carolina Central won that one outright because they went 6-0 and in the conference. Uh, but this past year, I just I just learned that, you know, as long as I keep putting in the work, as long as I do it with integrity, um, and I got my, my simple phrase just from, you know, Galatians, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so whatever I put into it, I'm going to get out of it. And so it's the simple reaping and sowing principle. So as long as we keep keep leaning the right way, um, trying to help kids out, trying to help families out, and really be pure with the game, you know, the results are going to be the results. But, yeah, I don't know if I'm going back to the defensive side. This is <laughs> offensive stuff. Because, yeah. man, it's like when a defense lineup, I know what they're doing. Like, right. I know how to attack them. I know how to operate. Most offensive guys don't have that that type of experience. They say, okay, it's a two-high shell, so it's too high. I want this read. It's one high. I want that read. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If this guy is two yards outside the hash, it's not one high. It's it's too high. You know what I mean? So it's like, hey, is it, if this defensive ends in a six technique, he's not going outside for his gap. His gap is inside. And so from a run game perspective, I know how to handle it. Pass game perspective, I know how those guys are going to cover big bodies. And so it's like, you know, the advantage I give my room on me having that defensive experience um, is what makes them so, so much better than everybody else in the conference. Yeah, and I think, like I said, I think that's a plus. Um, just just you being a defensive guy and jumping on offense now, man, I mean, those kids get to learn it from both sides. Like I said, you coach linebackers, so you know fronts, techniques, line, everything. So for you to coach a tight end who's, you know, primary job might be blocking, but then you got to go on routes. You telling him, man, you see the shade, you know what it is, you know how to get, you know, sh get the right shoulder and right foot footwork and everything. So I think that's big just for a bunch of young guys. Um, you know, y'all coming off a championship season, and I know expectations are high, but um, how's the approach to that, you know, 
leading up to this season right now? Oh, it ain't it ain't no same than last year, or uh, no different rather than last year. It's it's the approach is we ain't nothing. We ain't won nothing. We ain't we 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 still hunting somebody. You know right. what I mean? Um, but I'm putting the pressure on my guys because hey man, Damon Wilson is in the conference now. Don't sleep. Like those, those my brothers over there, and I want to beat the brakes off of them every time I see them. I do not want to lose to those guys. Right. But at the same time, it's like, okay, they're going to increase their talent pool. And so we can't be the same that we've always been. We can't be lackadaisical. We can't come into this thing thinking we sweet or we got it like that. No, we, we got to put the press on people. And so I'm challenging my guys to know more football. Right. You know, now it's year two. Okay, y'all know who I am. Y'all know how I operate. Now we got to step the game up even more. I don't care what you don't know. I don't care what you did last year. What what you did last year didn't matter two days after last year was over with. You know, in January, I told him, I said, hey, man, it's January. That that conference stuff is over with. Like, we got to get ready for Eastern Michigan. We got to get ready for Morehouse. We got to beat Hampton finally. Um, But then I told him, I said, hey, man, you know, Howard ain't never beat North Carolina Central. And I said, that don't piss y'all off. And so for me, it's going to be, you know, more intense, more intentional on how we need to beat people um, and really just rehash it to those guys. Hey, man, you already won once. So winning is not going to shock you. Right. So now let's not focus on winning. Let's not focus on losing. Let's focus on the details. Let's get your feet right. Let's get your footwork right. Let's get your pad level right. Let's get your hands right. And once you do those things right, winning just comes. I'm like, y'all didn't win just because y'all were better than everybody else. No, 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 no. You won because the small little details, what you did on Monday, is like Monday's an off day. Well, they coming in the office on Mondays. They coming to sit down to talk ball to understand what the game plan was. And I was like, y'all didn't win because of what y'all did on the field. Y'all won because of what y'all did off the field, the yeah. camaraderie we had, you know, like like I had BWA where I got TEU, right? And so TEU is just made up from Travis Kelsey and, and Kittle. Those guys created tight end university. Well, we're tight end university, you know what I mean? And just that mindset of, okay, we want to be those type of guys and right. we want to model our game off of those type of guys. So don't get it twisted, y'all. We have a receiver coach who's the OC. He's going to want 10 personnel on the field unless y'all perform well. And so the challenge is going to be amped in stakes because we didn't sign three receivers. And so <laughs> now it's like, all right, tight ends. If y'all want to stay on the field, you got you to gotta be productive. You got to show up on the stat sheet. You can't just catch one catch a game. No, you need to catch one touchdown a game. If we have 11 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns out of that room, there's no way we coming off the field. And right. so, and it was no different at Bowie State. At Bowie, I was telling Biscuit and them, hey, look, if y'all don't get one tackle the series, they're going to put six DBs on this field. And then it's going to be one linebacker. So it's the, it's the, it's literally just changing the, the terms, changing the names, but it's the same mindset. I'm still coming with that linebacker attitude of, man, y'all ain't done nothing. Like you got a shared title, Holmes. Right. Like, no, let's let's go to Atlanta. Like that's where we need to go. Like Dion supposedly had the best 
two teams his years at Jackson, but they both lost to MEAC teams. And yeah. so let's go be the third MEAC team. You know, let's let a different MEAC team come down to to Atlanta to to, to kind of you know beat up on the SWAT. But it's yeah. it's it's always going to be constant pressure added to those guys. So as soon as they do something great on the field, and you can see it, you'll see me on tape. I'm just standing there. Like, I'm not, you ain't done nothing yet, man. Like, come on. Like, that's what we supposed to do. Yeah, celebrate, be happy, be excited. But just know when you come to this office, I'm going to tell you everything you did right, but I'm also going to tell you everything you should have did. You know what I mean? So it's, I'm just not letting those guys be, be entitled thinking that it's going to be sweet this next year because, man, Morgan State's coming, you know, uh, uh, Norfolk State's coming. Like, those teams are just going to get better. And mm-hmm. as they get better, we still got to – Howard ain't never been consistent. And so that's the that's the theme this year. Like, I got a term that I'm coming up with right now, slide, um, which I'm building what that acronym is, but I want I want those guys to slide. You know what I mean? Because if Howard's never been consistent, you can go down in the history books. So, again, it's no – and if you ask Biscuit and them, I told him, I was like, don't y'all want to be the best class to ever come through Bowie State? Nah, for real. And that 15 year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I personally think we're the best class to come through. I mean, championship or not, just what we accomplished and who we Nine played. Nine and one? Come on, right. man. And, and you're talking about the competition, <laughs> level of competition. And I'm telling guys, that Central Connecticut game, I mean, we had them boys on the ropes. The, man. The refs, but that's another conversation for another time, but... I mean, you know, we talked about all the titles you've had. Uh, most importantly, um, I think the most important title is really you being a great family man. Like, before I had my family, um, you dropped so much game on me uh, on how to be, like, a great family man. And sometimes I didn't even know if you did it knowingly or unknowingly, um, but I definitely appreciate it. So talk to us about the dynamics of being a college coach, a husband, and a father, and how do you prioritize your time? Um. Well, it's 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 through trial and error, and so um, back in that twenty was it twenty fifth back in that no twenty fourteen season, um, I had one son at the time, and my wife had a miscarriage, and I'm talking about when she had the miscarriage, she like almost died had a miscarriage, Damn. and so we was at the house, she fainted um at the house, and you know the doctor said she was thirty minutes away from getting a blood transfusion, that's how bad it was. Um, and I was at practice the next day. And so, like, at that time, I was I was all in for making sure Bowie State was a winner, right? I always checked in with my wife to make sure, hey, is this cool we do this? Hey, is it cool if I do that? And she knew how how much I wanted home to to be right. So when I got home, you know, Bowie State football, I still did work. You know what I mean? Just because that's I, I don't sit still. I don't, I'm not just doing nothing. Um, but after she had that miscarriage, I learned there's no such thing as balance. Like there is no and people could talk about balance all they want. It don't exist. So I learned a, a new understanding of balance within this past year. And balance is doing your best with the time you have. And so during the season, I might be in the office from five o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night. 
But during the off season, I'm not in the office. I'm at home. You know what I mean? And when we're not supposed to be in the office, I'm not in the office. I'm at home. Um, I try to be home every night um, before the kids go to bed to make sure they see me. You know, FaceTime is a beautiful weapon where I can use FaceTime when they get dropped off at school and my wife take them. Uh, and some days when we get late mornings, hey, I'm dropping them off at school and taking them. But I just understand during the season, they just not going to see me all day, every day. But right. during the off season, that's where that balance comes in. The time I have, no, bro, you, you do that all season long. Wake up early and do what you need to do or stay up late and do what you need to do during the off season so that they can see you. Um, especially with them now, they 10 and 7. Like, nah, this is that pivotal moment where they're about to learn how to be young men. And so I try to create that balance of just being, you know, a great dad by being engaged, being involved. I'm at every baseball game. I'm at every soccer game, basketball, flag football, you know, recitals, stage plays. I haven't missed, I haven't missed one thing in over 10 years. You know what I mean? And, and you know, even with my wife, like me and my wife, hey, let's go take a visit here. Now we still got work around the football schedule, but we're finding that time to just go spend time with each other. Um, I'm still a goofball. And so at the house, I'm throwing stuff at her. I'm throwing fruit at her, bouncing it off her head. Like I'm just, I'm being playful because I realized like with relationships, the the little time that we do have, um, you still got to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you still got to, you know, I want, I want my kids to see that their dad still has fun. So when we go to Sky Zone, the little trampoline park, I'm out jumping them and I'm playing dodgeball and I'm getting engaged because I want them to have those important memories. Um, I'm lucky though, because my wife also works at the school and she works right across the street from my football office. So I can go over there and have lunch with her, you know, whenever I want to, when, when we do official visits, she's a part of that academic team that comes and presents for the school of business. So we still get to see each other. Um, not as much as she wants to, but, uh, they still travel. Like they went to Tampa last year when we played USF. They went to New Jersey with us when we played Morehouse at, at Giant Stadium. And so they're getting experiences as well. But it's just, you know, the balance is just just being there when you can't be there. You know, not no excuses. Sleep. It's, yeah, who cares about sleep? Like sleep. Sleep is relative. You know what I mean? Like, and you're finding that out now. Nah. With that little effort. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. Like I said, I'm on the same wave as you right now. Just, you know, that 15 season, just watching you bringing little Nico to practice. Yeah. It's like I'm going, I'm thinking about going through the same phase now because we're still coaching. And I mean, me having a little one, I thought about giving it up, but I'm like, man, I, I got so much to give in the game that, you know, I just can't walk away. So it's always going to be like, you know, I have to build everything around the time I have. And, I mean, and I want to bring him around same way, you you know, I saw you bring little Nico around and same way I saw Coach Wilson bring his son around. I thought that was yeah, like my, something. Mine's, yeah, mine was a little selfish, too, though, because <laughs> like I had an experience to to go to Hampton when I was a kid, but I don't remember it. Right. So so like bringing Nico to practice. I wanted him to have that experience because once he has the opportunity to go to college, I don't want him to wild out. Yeah, nah, for you real. know what I mean? I want him to be comfortable with 
being on a college campus so that now when it's his turn to be on a college campus, he didn't seen it all. Yep, I've been he there. Done, you know what I mean? He didn't seen everything. And so it's like, okay, now I want I want you to have the vision of you walking on campus and this being, you know, a little bit of ownership for you to say, hey, look, I can see myself in college. I can see myself going because, you know, for me at one point, like I told him the other day, man, I, I'm 41 years old, bro. Like, I know I don't look it, but at the end of the day, I still, I don't, I didn't know I was going to live past 21 at one point. You know what I mean? Even to this day, like, just seeing 50 and thinking about, man, what you going to do when you're 50? I don't know. Right. Because my expectation wasn't to live past 21. And so for him and bringing Mason around on campus to these games, it's to show them, hey, more. It's more than life than just what your what your experience is. It's, it's more than just your situation. And so, you know, and, and that's that's part of that balance, too, because it's like, no, nah, I want you to be better than me. I want you to be better than your grandfather. I want you to be better than my pop up. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about just that exposure, man. I want you to have that exposure so that now you can understand how to navigate because it's things I want to teach you. But I also, as I'm getting older and getting a little bit wiser, I know I just can't be direct with you. I, I have to be a little indirect. So I got to hit you from angles um, and rather give you that experience and that exposure than sometimes using my words and telling them. You know what I mean? So, No doubt. Yes, sir. As we close out, man, you know, last topic, let's talk about recruiting. Um, I know y'all in, what, the quiet period right now. Yeah. Uh, so you get a little bit more time, quality time with family. Um, talk to us about college recruiting and some of the things that, you know, this high school players, like we talked about before the call started, you got a lot of guys messaging you and all that. Uh, talk to us about some of the things that, you know, this high school players should be doing to be to get noticed. Man, it, it, I don't care how good they are, how, how good they're not. Once they hit that eighth, ninth grade, um, and I, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday, and they need to go to their local small colleges. So if it's a kid in, in the PG County um, area, um, DMV area, they need to go to Richmond. They need to go to William & Mary. They need to go to Howard. They need to go to Morgan State. They need to go to Bowie State. You know, all these local programs, the Georgetowns, all these local programs, so they can just get exposed to what college looks like. No different than what I just talked about for my sons. Right. They need to get that exposure of what that program is, what the culture is, you know, because the culture at, at Georgetown is a lot different than the culture at Howard. You know what I mean? It's, it's totally different, right? Still recruiting the same type of kids, still need the same type of academics, but it's still a different environment. And so they need to get that experience of being around that and then go to those camps as well because Here's the crazy part. Yeah, you might not be fast enough or strong enough or big enough as a freshman or or sophomore, but now going into your junior and senior year, you didn't done camps before. So the nervousness, the jitters aren't there. But you get to understand and know what type of players these guys look for and how you compare to those type of players. Right. So that now when you go back to your school, you now have that experience and that exposure of what you need to work on, what what you need to have. And those coaches give you some tips and some tools 
in order to improve your game and better your game. And so it's like, you know, you just get your family involved in what that looks like because everybody doesn't understand what a core GPA is. You know, like I had a conversation yesterday. Somebody said, uh, you know, Howard's buildings look old. And I'm just sitting like, yeah, it's a rhyme and a reason to a HBCU versus a PWI. And so Howard's buildings may look old, but you also got to understand how university is landlocked. Mm-hmm. And so we're directly in the city. It's not a whole bunch of land. Like if you go to Georgetown, you're going to see old buildings at Georgetown as well because they're landlocked. So it's not like they have a bunch of landscape to just build new things. And so you kind of got to rebuild the things that are already there and try to buy properties and expand your your campus and university. Well, when you go down to A&T, you go down to Morgan State, you go down to Bowie State, they don't have those issues. Mm-hmm. They sitting on 75 to 150 acres of land. And so it's like, they can just put a building where they want to put a building at. You know, I'll tear it out one down, we can build something else here. And so it's like, just to understand those two dynamics of, okay, what type of school? And then, hey, what do you want to do? Because you're not going to go to Bowie State to be, you know, a doctor. Why? Well, they don't have a doctoral program. You know what I mean? You're not going to Bowie State to be an engineer. Why? They don't have an engineering program. You know what I mean? At Morgan State, they do have an engineering program. You know, at Howard, we do have a, a doctoral program. We have a dentist, school of dentists on our campus. We got a Howard hospital right next to us. And so it's like, once you get the get these experiences, you kind of know and understand one athletically what does the school offer, but also academically, and then you can see the maturation of a school. So it's not like, hey, I'm gonna go to University of Maryland today, man. They got the glitz and the glamour. Then you go to Howard or Morgan or a bullion, like, yeah, but that school's not as good as that school. Well, you didn't see where Howard came from, right? Where Bowie came from where Morgan came from. Like you didn't see the developmental process. And so kids always have to have to experience that with their families, with their parents to see how a program is building. Um, and then also on that flip side, that staff is the staff, you know, hiring new coaches every single year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is because if you're not in that process of going to camps and seeing the coach, you're not going to know that it's a new DB coach every year at a certain school or it's a new coordinator at a school every year. Like when I was playing at Bowie, I had four defensive coordinators in five years. And so it's like, you're not, you're not understanding that process. And so it's a lot of things kids need to know. Um, right now, one of my boys is in the process of trying to do that same thing, just expose kids just on a tour. Hey, talk to the players too. I had a player yesterday tell a kid, hey, when I came to this school, I was some trash. I didn't know how to run a route. Right. Two years later, this kid is 6'2", 210 pounds, running 23 miles an hour. You know what I mean? So now he he has an understanding of football. And so that's a testament, one, to his work, but also his position coach. The things him and his position coach go through on a, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, just trying to get him to be the best he can be. And I'm talking about, he come from he come from the country country like Orangeburg, South Carolina. There's one Walmart, like, and I only know because my wife's family is from there. It's like one Walmart, you know, one little focus area. Most of it is just country, but it's just like to see the maturation of that young man at this university, like he's maturing with the school, and so it's like 
you know, all kids should just go to their local schools first. University of Maryland are always going to be there. Iowa State's always going to be there. The Ohio State's, the Penn State's, they're always going to be there. Uh, but it upsets me when a local kid will go to Penn State, Maryland, uh, Michigan, Rutgers, Temple, and then it say they can't come to a camp at, at a Morgan, at a Howard, at a Hampton. It's like, come on, you'll give those guys your money and spend time with them, but you can't right. even come down the street and come see us. You know what I'm saying? So they get, get too late and then they call you like, hey, coach. Yeah, yeah. But man. the expectation is, man, Howard should do this. Well, right. well why? You're not going to put that same expectation on Penn State. Yeah. You're not going to put that same expectation on Maryland. So it's, it's just like, one, it's unfair to us. I understand it. I get it. Um, So I don't really, you know, gripe and complain too much about it. But I just tell people, hey, look, come visit us. Come see us. You're saying Howard didn't offer you. Well, how many times did you reach out to Howard or just show up? Because people just show up now. <laughs> you know, you know, so it's it's high school kids should really just, hey, man, it, get that exposure. Get that experience. Um, come to a game. Because, again, you can reach out to a coach. You can put your name on a list to, to be at a game so you can see what a game looks like. So you can see how different a high school game is from the college game. I don't care if you're in a WCAC. W, we got some WCAC guys who have played six plays in three years. And I'm talking about they were all-conference WCAC. So it, it's, it ain't sweet at the Division One level. Everybody can play ball. Everybody, you know, can study. They work their tail off. And so everybody can play. And once you get to that level, you, you still got to prepare. And so I always tell people, get exposure early so that you can see what it's like. Um, nine times out of ten, you want to go to somebody's homecoming. Because if you go to somebody's homecoming, you, you're going to like it. You know what I mean? Um, but they just got to get that exposure, man. Uh, yeah, it, that's true. That's true. One thing I forgot to talk about was that 2017 year, um, that UNLV, UNLV game, man. Tell me about that experience. Because, um, I mean, I think y'all, what, the the biggest um, point underdog to ever win a yeah. game, college football? Largest, largest, largest point spread in college football history. Yeah, um, man. Tell me about that experience and, you know, just how that, you know, shaped that season. Because, I mean, y'all had some guys that year. So it's it's crazy because when you pay attention to it and look at it, I when I came in, when I came in that year, because that was right as soon as I got there, I got there in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as soon as I got there and got comfortable with the system and how spring ball went and recruiting, I told the OC, I said, we're guaranteed to win six or seven games. He was like, What? I said, You you may be coming from, you know, you you had your experience at Tulsa where you played at, but it's the me at. Like, people could play ball here, but Howard won three games in two years. They're not they're not going to expect Howard to win. And so, right. one, we're going to catch everybody with their pants down, and we're going to catch everybody off guard. Uh, and then UNLV, like, they didn't know Brennan's offense because <laughs> it, was his first, it was his first time coaching college ball yeah. um, as, as a coordinator. So they didn't know what the go-go was. So we had that going for us. We had three games in two years going for us. And the crazy part was the only addition we had to the team was a running back and a quarterback and Kaylin Newton and Desmond Worthy. And so those two guys 
helped us cultivate a mindset. Oh, um, now, Siva kid too? Nah, he was already on the team. Oh, Ezra? Ezra, Ezra was hurt that the, the year prior. Okay. You had Kyle Anthony, who's, you know, got the record holder for most receptions of the season at Howard with 70. Um, you had Anthony Fillyard at running back, who he was, was just a phenomenal, he was a phenomenal player. He was um, you had you had a running back slash quarterback slash tight end and Davon Johnson, um, who was really the backbone of the offense. Like he was one of the guys where if somebody was hurt, he he's in the game. Like, he's not coming out. He was playing H back, he was playing Y. He was playing quarterback. He was our goal line quarterback at times because he came in as a quarterback. And so he knew the snap count. He knew how to handle the ball. He could run the ball. He was the running back. You know what I mean? So he kind of did everything. Um, and that year was crazy because we had four offensive linemen. Like the one offensive lineman, we, our left tackle, who won all conference, um, he was a converted tight end. And so he was 240 pounds, 235 pounds. Um, straight out of Detroit, Michigan. Um, and Ramsey, Ramsey did his thing that year. Um, and so going into that game, it was more so of we ain't got nothing to lose, fellas. Like, let's go punch these dudes in the mouth. We didn't took a plane ride out here. They descended to Vegas. They didn't mess up and let Howard come to Vegas. Um, and they're gonna sleep on us. And when we came out for warm-ups, we we felt what people talk about about the Vegas heat, because the heat wasn't up high. It was down around our ankles. And so it's just like, okay, this is what they're talking about when they're talking about Vegas is dry. The air ain't, no, nah, the air wasn't up top. The air was down bottom. And the right. heat was down bottom. So your feet were more hot than anything. But right. when we came out the gate, we was driving a ball. And it was because those dudes just watching them on tape, studying them from, from social media and what they showed and what they put out, they were a quarters team. Mm -hmm. So when you're a quarters team, you're not going to put nothing complicated in besides quarters and man in right. the summertime. They right. had a new head coach. They had a new system. They had a new quarterback. There's a lot of things that they had new, so we were able to take advantage of it. Uh, and Kayla Newton being the quarterback, being as athletic as he was, like I think it was like the third series, he ran over their middle linebacker and yeah. he ran they 20 yards upfield. Yeah, they couldn't stop that run game, man. Like you yeah. said, being a quarter quarters team and trying to stop the run, that's damn near impossible, honestly. I, I haven't seen no quarters team really do it. Um no, but so it's crazy because I wasn't even I wasn't even celebrating. Yeah. I'm in the booth looking at the screen like, did we just win this game? Yeah, man. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I was watching it at home and I'm texting you, I'm like, yo, did y'all do that? Like <laughs> it's a it's a full circle moment for uh Marion now, cause you yep. know he's the OC down. He's the OC down at UNLV, so yeah, it's I, like, yeah. And he, I think, I personally think he's on his way to be a head coach at some point. But oh yeah, it's 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 just, I, I know he wants to be closer to his kids. Um, his kids are in Cali, so mm -hmm. I know he he wants to be closer to his kids. So, you know, I I text him all the time and tell him, man, I'm proud of you, bro. Like I'm proud of what you're doing. You know, I see him with his kids. Um. I like the fact that, you know, he wants to be closer to him, but I tell him it's only a matter of time. You know, you yeah. can't be denied, but so much. He's good. He's got a good rapport with kids. Like a couple of years ago, he led Jordan Addison to the Belentnikov, um award winner. 
And it's just like, okay, you know talent, you know players. You know, Jaquez Ezzard had a great year under him. Mm-hmm. Um, and now is 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 playing ball in, in Canada. Um, but it's just like, you know, the, as much of success as he's having, it's only a matter of time. They're not gonna be able to deny that guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I think he's a great football mind and one of them guys where it's like like I said, I think UNLV um they gained a lot. Get him. I think they're gonna be a good team this year. Um and, and he com- stole a recruit from me too. <laughs> yeah. Is it the kid? It's it's one kid, man. He um from out of Oklahoma. Man, I love that kid to death, man. I, I wish I could have him with us. And he texted me, he was like, Coach, I hope this ain't no hard feelings. I said, Yo, bro, I'm your I'm your biggest fan, biggest supporter, right behind your moms and your sister. Like, it's no it's no hard feelings. If I'm gonna lose you to somebody, I would rather be my brother. You so know what I mean? And so to Howard and UNLV. No, no, no. He um yeah. UNLV was his number one choice. Well, they started recruiting him harder. So he was recruiting him um, when he was at Texas. Mm-hmm. So he brought him down to Texas as well. And it's crazy because that kid's family, um, he's got some family in Texas. And so when he was at Texas, if he would have offered him at Texas, that kid probably would have went to Texas. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the kid's a he's a phenomenal receiver. Um, but I told him, I said, man, I I wouldn't I, I would be happy for you to go to UNLV just because of who who BM is and, and what he does with receivers and what he does with the offense. I know he's going to take you. I'm like, just just make it worth it. Like, if you're going to leave Oklahoma and go to UNLV um, and be in the desert, man, make your mama proud, make your family proud, and do what you're supposed to do. And so, you know, I know I'm going to lose great players from time to time just because of the landscape of, Howard University, um, because we do recruit nationally. We right. don't just recruit the DMV, but at the same time, it's like, okay, just know if I lose a good kid, I got two or three more in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's real, man. Yeah, man. Coach, man, appreciate you. Like I said, um, this this has been a long time coming. I think I want to do this for a while. Um, before we close out, I'm about to go through a segment where it's five. I'm gonna give you five names. The first thing that comes to your mind, it could it, like it doesn't have to be something long, it's just one word. And you we about to set me up. Nah, nah, I, I got you. I, <laughs> nah, man. The first one is Howard. Howard, black excellence. Uwe. Uwe. Hard working. PG County. Black celebrity excellence. <laughs> Montgomery County. Uh, I don't know if I got one word from Moco, but um, that one that one's tough. Um, Moco is legacy. Um, and the reason why I say legacy is because um, I started my I, when I was in first grade when I left DC. And I was in first grade, went to Montgomery County uh, and got kicked out of Montgomery County after first grade um, and then came back. But it, it's where it's a place where I said I wasn't moving no more. So after my freshman year, I said, nah, man, I'm going to stick with this school for four years. My mother moved again, of course, two years later. And I told her I wasn't moving no more. And so ended up staying with a friend um, to live there. 
Um, because I say this this is where I want home to be. I right. want I want to establish my footing here and and be consistent and and have some type of some type of foundation. And so say it's legacy. You know, I'm trying to get some more more county kids down down to Georgia. Ave. Yep. And the last one is me at a fight. A fight. I like, it. I like it. Man, I appreciate you, Coach, man. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for everything you've done for us, for this Bowie State family, man, for my brothers. We really appreciate you, man. Uh, really more than you know it. Man, we want to give you your flowers. You know, we give you every time we see you, man. But, I mean, you know, to sum it up, we really appreciate you. Man, I appreciate all y'all fans as well, man. It's the Straight Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Mac. I'm signing off, man. Please subscribe, comment, like. Share it, um, message us, tell us what you want next, man. We're going to see you on the next episode. Thank you.